Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Greatest Covenant. I'm one of your hosts, Brendan. And I'm Cassandra. And we're just a couple married 26 plus years, having a conversation about our life experiences, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and how with God's intervention, we were able to persevere. Our goal in sharing with you is to show marriage is fun, God-ordained, and to let you know that you are not alone in your marriage struggles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and how is my bride doing on this day? I'm I'm good. I am alive. I'm breathing, and I'm here. All right, <laughs> three for three. <laughs> Can't argue with those. Right. <laughs> so today, everyone, if you have. Uh, checked out our episodes we did an episode called thoughts of a husband yes where i did most of the talking which was you know kind of rare in my house where i get to do uh, that is not true but go ahead (laughs) because you know if you all check previous episodes when (laughs) mrs yates talks that's true (laughs) that is true i don't know i just have so much stuff in my brain but go ahead. Yeah, we've already had that episode. We know how much <laughs> is in your brain. Yes, we know. Um, so today we're doing an episode called Thoughts of a Wife. Yeah. So this is a moment where she gets to talk more <laughs> than the average talking. <laughs> and I'm very excited to hear what she has to say. She, We, we talked about it and... I have no idea what she's going to talk about. I'll chime in as necessary husband. So don't worry. I'm not going to, I'm just, it's just not going to be her platform. I'll get in there somewhere. Yeah. May have to interrupt her a little bit, but I'll get in there. Um, So I just want my wife to uh, go for it and we'll see what happens. Uh, I really believe that whatever she has to say, God has given her the wisdom and the thoughts to put it together. So let us begin. Yeah. I'm so excited to be able to do this today. Um, I I wanted to because I know that you, babe, had like a few different things that you talked about, I believe. And I sort of just want to focus on one thing because, you know, it's 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 very it's super important in life in general it's super important in marriage, um, and that is mental health. And I'm going to talk about this from the wife's perspective, from my perspective, because it's a real thing. It's a serious thing um, that is in relationships, and it can make or break a relationship. And it could have made or broke our relationship. Would you agree with that? I would agree. Yeah, I think it could have, like, if we would have let it, and if God hadn't intervened when he did... It could have destroyed our relationship. And so I think this is a super important topic, especially for wives and mothers and girlfriends and women in general. Um, I am taking this from the married perspective um, and also the parenting perspective. That's I'm going to sort of be bringing both of those together because they both affected me somewhat differently. And how I had to, what I had to do to be able to come out on the other side. So just a little bit about my story, my mental health story. I, so we got married at a young age. You were what, 21? I was 20. You were were 20 and I was 21. 
And I think on some level, I had some form of depression. I think that, and it wasn't like, it wasn't very prominent, but I know that when we were going through our stuff, you know, with the breakups and the getting back together and all of that, there were times where I went through depression, but it wasn't like, oh, I can't get out of the bed. It was just your typical sadness of a girlfriend breaking up with her boyfriend. So, you know, at that point, I hadn't really experienced full-fledged depression that I suffer from now. So yes, I do suffer from depression. Um, There are several different types of mental health issues, but the ones that you hear about the most are like depression, anxiety, bipolar, you mm-hmm. know, th- those those types of things. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we got married, we had BJ, and then, well, uh, yeah, we got married, had BJ, and there was, I don't know that I necessarily suffered from postpartum after I had BJ, Um, I think it wasn't really until after I had Jasmine and Kenny was when it was like full fledged. It was probably more Jasmine. Yeah. So Jasmine, if you're listening, it's all your fault. (laughs) (laughs) So we, you know, of course, women go through, I mean, don't get me wrong. Mental health issues affect both men and women, but for the today's purposes of this podcast episode, we're talking about wives, we're talking about mothers and the different how it affects us and you know, I just want to just give encouragement to wives and mothers and let you know that it's it's all good and you will be able to make it. You can make it. But after I had Jasmine was when the postpartum, like I really started to feel the effects of postpartum, which included not being able, like I could barely get up and make sure my house was together, was clean. I mean, I made sure that my kids were fed. I made sure that, you know, they had clean diapers on, but that postpartum depression was something that I had never experienced before. It was a, it was a type of depression that it caught me off guard, really. Now that I think back to it, Mm -hmm. you know, it caught me off guard because I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know, you know, and I never went to the doctor about it. I mean, at some point I did because I got on an antidepressant. But But it was a long time before you did that though. I think it was after I had Kenny. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, um, and then after I had Kenny, you know, we had our kids 18 months apart. (laughs) So there's 18 months between Jasmine and BJ. And then there's 18 months between Jasmine and Kenny. So what we, we what, 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 what (laughs) were we thinking? We were knocking them out. We were getting it down. (laughs) We were handling our business, but we nipped that in the bud real quick. We were not having any more kids. And so after we had Kenny, you know, I told the doctor I didn't want to leave leave the hospital with the ability to bear children. So I was able to, <laughs> you know, get my tubes tied right then. But still that hormonal issue, that hormonal imbalance that I was going through of having a kid and not being prepared for the different hormones that were coming that I had. So... And, you know, I nursed all of my kids. So that's how, you know, really, that's how we knew they was they were fed. I mean, 
they our kids were not going without food. Okay, TMI. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So when after I had Kenny, and you know we were going on with our life, I can remember particularly when we lived in that townhouse on um, 68th and Spring. Okay. And. I mean, it was a real, it was a nice townhouse. It was yeah. a split level townhouse and we had storage on the outside. And so it was a really nice for what we needed, three bedroom for us. It was yep. good for us. But I remember specifically, even like in the apartment that we lived in before that, I specifically remember only being able to take, like m- the amount of mental space that I had, the amount of mental capacity that I had in my brain was just enough to take care of the kids. Other than that, I was laying on the couch watching TV or in bed still because I just could not get up and move to do anything else. You know, and I had three babies under five and no, three babies under under three because I think BJ was three at the time and had them really close together, didn't really give my body enough time to really mm-hmm. regulate itself. So, you know, it would get regulated and then I would end up pregnant. Then it would get regulated and I would end up pregnant. And so that that was a struggle for me. So just like you said, years. It was, I don't want to say years. No, it wasn't years, because, years. Because but... I think I when I started working was really when I started, was re- really when I had went to the doctor and said, hey, I'm sad, not glad. <laughs> Things are, you know, I I feel like I can't do this. I can't do that. I, you know, and so she put me, I was finally, I was able to get on an antidepressant and it wasn't, and that helped me to be able to function, to mm-hmm. be able to do more than just take care of the kids. I think, what do you think? I don't want to be doing all the talking because you didn't get to do all the talking. I did in, have some input. Okay. So I want your thoughts. So then, so the one time you let me do all the talking is the one time you kind of almost throw me on the bus. <laughs> okay. What do you think? How was I when I was? Well, I. That's a that's a slippery slope kind of question, but I guess I'll be as honest as I, as no, I can. I, I when I'm, when I, I'm I'm talking in reference to when I got on my when I got on my antidepressant. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there was a change? Uh of what I can mood wise, of mood wise, mm-hmm. uh, I would say yes. I I don't know, I don't I won't say it was a dramatic change because I mean you were still you were still battling for a while. Yes. You know, um, you did go you did go through a very long period where all you could do was that you would you went through a very very long period of coming home from work and going straight to bed. Yes, so that was yeah that was when the kids were in school. That's right. the kids are in school. Because we yeah, haven't, you, I haven't gotten that far yet. You did go through a very long period of that, but I think once you got on the antidepressant, you were a little different. Yeah. So when the kids started school, all three of them, you know, I I don't think that I still had it regulated very well. I didn't have it. I didn't have treatment very well. Right. I, I was on the one antidepressant and it was just, a, it was like a low mild one. As a matter of fact, I'm still on it and I, I, I love it. I think it's, I think it's great. It's helped with my moods. And I think that it, 
but I think at the time it still was not regulating my my no, I moods. Think you, you could have already dealt with the stronger dose. Yeah. So the kids were in school. I would come home. I would go to work. Be, and for those people that don't know me or anybody that does know me, they know that I am. And some people may not believe this, but I am an introverted person. So. Like, I would go to work, and I would be fine, you know, I would have my day planned out in my mind of what I was going to do. And, you know, they tell you to think of introverted people as a pie, and, you know, you're cutting up the slices of pie. And so, that pie is what they have to make it through their day. Mm -hmm. And so, for me, if I used up all of my pie at work... I didn't have none left for my kids or my husband or my family. So I would come home and I would just go straight to bed and leave everything to him. And so there's that side of it, the introverted side of it. But then there's that depression side of it, too, because I think that I still was battling the depression and and want not being medicated correctly, I think, helped. And the stress of... Just life in general, you know, just caused me to just want to say, okay, I've given all that I can. I'm done. I'm ready to go to bed. So I did that for years, for a few years. Um, And then, you know, when the kids got older, when they went to high school, well, let's back up a little bit. You know, nobody, if you knew my family, like my immediate family, me, my brother, my parents, you wouldn't think that there was mental illness in, in our family mental health illness in our family, in our family. Cause I don't, I'd said mental illness, mental health illness in our family. Um, so in 2008, was it 2000? And, no, 2006, 2007. That was before that. Are you talking about when, your brother? Yeah. That was, if he, Did he passed in 2005. Moved into our house when? 2007. So it was before that. Okay, so I want to say 2005, 2006, I don't remember. Um, my brother, the only sibling that I had, he passed away by suicide. And so I, that wrecked me, like wrecked me to the core. Mm-hmm. I, you know, because that was my only brother. He was a year younger than me. We were close. We weren't, you know, we had a brother, good brother or sister relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think... I remember just sort of going into a, a downward spiral, so, spiral sort of in my depression because there was some guilt that I had related to him and his passing because I had talked to my brother the night before he decided to take his life and something told me the next day that I needed to, to talk to, that I needed to call him, but I didn't call him. And so... That weighed heavily on me, and that sort of caused us a sort of downward spiral in terms of my depression and and just, you know, life in general. Just everything, it just felt like it was just piling on top of everything. And, like, there was nothing good, quote-unquote, because we did have good things happen. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, there was nothing good. All this bad just kept happening. Mm-hmm. You know, all this stress just kept happening. And so at that point, I finally called my my doctor and I said, okay, I'm in a deep space here, in a dark space here, and I need something else. So I was able to get on something else. And that, I think that added medication really helped me. 
And it really got me to a place to where I could deal with these issues that I was going through. I could deal with the, um, uh, the sadness that I would have and the anger that I would have and, and, and all of that. And so I finally decided, okay, I can't handle this on my own. I have this extra medication. It's helping, but it's not like I knew that I needed to really confront the issues that I was having. So I decided to go seek, seek counseling. And ladies, let me tell you, do not be afraid of counseling. Do not be ashamed of counseling because counseling is there for a reason. I do believe that God has placed doctors, counselors, psychologists, all of that in place for a reason. It was such a relief to be able to go talk to somebody who I didn't know, who didn't know me in my situations, and to be able to get some unbiased, un, you know, just get advice, get thoughts, be able to just throw out to her what it was that I was going through and her being able to tell me, okay, well, why don't you look at it from this perspective? Why don't you do this? So counseling helped me immensely. And it was able to help me to be able to sort of put my life in order to be able to think of and deal with the issues that I was dealing with. Because it just wasn't, you know, my kid issues. There was other things, you know, issues with me and my husband and, and, and things like that. So going to counseling just was another layer added on top of the medication that was able to help me with my mental health. It was able to put me in a place where I could be a better mother, I could be a better wife, I could be a better person individually, because I at the time I didn't really like myself, but what person would when they're going through depression or anything like that? So you made a good point that mm-hmm. you saw someone that was biased, which means this person didn't know you, but only knew you from what you told her. Yeah, they're unbiased. When, the, when yeah. you when you when you went into her office. And yeah. so to piggyback on that, that's important. The yeah. last you know, the last person that you need to be talking to about some of these deep rooted issues is someone close. Now yes. I mean if, if if you know someone that's close that you know can be that biased person and unbiased. it works for you. I'm sorry, unbiased person, excuse me. Yes. Then that's great. Yeah. I mean if 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 you have that kind of connection with that person that you they can you can go to them and them knowing you can still give you unbiased advice. Yeah. That that's great. But I, I in just, our experience, in our just, experience, the best yeah. way to go is to have someone because you, that, that person, that person will tell you what you don't want to hear. Probably yes. will give you the honest truth. Yes. Have you look at it that way versus someone trying to spare your feelings? Well, no, they're there to give you the, gut-wrenching truth if possible right to help them understand that to help you see it from a different perspective so yeah I think that you know I could have easily gone to my dad so he is a marriage and family counselor he's working on his PhD I mean he has if if there's anybody that I would recommend would be him because he's learned every aspect of it, I think. And so he would be a fantastic source of counseling for somebody that was in need of it. Just not for me because I'm his daughter. And 
I needed somebody who was unbiased. I needed somebody who was impartial to the situation, who knew nothing about what I was going through and who could give me sound Christian advice. So I did go to a Christian counselor and um, she, I mean, she was just great. I, I appreciated everything that she did for me because she walked with me through uh, the suicide of my brother the issues in my marriage, she walked with me all through that. And then walking through the death of our son. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've said it before in our other podcast episodes, no parent ever expects to go through that type of depression or that type of issue. You don't mm-hmm. expect to go before your child. That just is not in the order of things right. to happen. And... That is what we were faced with. And at this point in my life, you know, I still was doing the counseling, but I think I had come off of one of my my um, antidepressants. I think I was back down to one. And it was a hard, hard, hard time for me. It was rough. I mean, if we could if we could put our kids like like pair us up with our children, BJ is 100 percent his daddy in looks in 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 musicianship all of that he is 100% his father kenny was 100% his mama she was he was he would have been i think a mama's boy and i'm not mad about it i'm not mad about it at I all i don't know cuz he was ready to move out at 10 he was ready to move out at 10 <laughs> he was ready to go but i was ready to go too so i never you know but Jasmine, we still need to figure her out. Jasmine's a hybrid. She's, she's she very much is a hybrid between she's both of us. Yes. We don't we she's like She's her own person. She's that second child. Right. We so, started talking about yeah, the second we, child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um when we like for me, when Kenny passed away, I felt like I had lost a limb. I felt like I had lost a piece of my my person that I will never be able to get back. And so the, the the depression came on and it it came on like hard and fast. Mm-hmm. But I could not do what I did in the past. I knew I couldn't do what I did in the past. The thought was there. I know that the enemy put it in my mind to just stay in the bed. He'll take care of it. They're not going to work. Just don't worry about it. And I knew in my mind, I knew in my heart, I could not let that happen because I still had two other kids that I had to take care of. And so even though I was going through that depressing, depressing time and it was bad, it was rough, I still did not get back on that second antidepressant. I, I, I was okay on that for that, you know, that's that one antidepressant and still going through counseling. I was still going through that. So I think that that was my saving grace is being able to talk to somebody other than you, because I love you with all my heart. I love, you know, what we have, but at that moment in time, I couldn't talk to you about it because you were going through your own grief. Yep. You couldn't, there was nothing I could have said that would have helped you. And you wouldn't have known what to say. I wouldn't have known what to say, right? Yeah. I mean, because then I would have felt like I failed you Mm -hmm. because you wouldn't be very responsive to what I had to say, which is now 
years later, it makes perfect sense. You know, I'm not, I wouldn't know what to tell you. you right. Know? And it, so and you're right. I was going through my own stuff. Yeah. So there's not much. Uh, I mean, we would have been batting heads, but I, I can just see as you know, that old video game, the very first one that where the, the little ball just kept going back and forth and you had to slide the thing. You're talking about that old Atari. Yeah. Atari, but yeah. I need to yeah. This, whatever it's called. It, it, it would have been like that. And we wouldn't have solved anything. Nope. We actually would have probably made it worse. It would have been worse. So, you know, I'm I'm grateful for that and I'm thankful for s- still being able to have the the knowledge and understanding that yes, I still needed to go through counseling when I, when especially when when Kenny passed away. And so I did that for a little bit longer, but you know, grief comes in waves. And so you know, being able to go through that counseling, it helped me to understand the grief that I was going through, how I needed to go through it, what I needed to do. And then she also, you know, helped me and prepared me on how to help my other two kids go through it. Because, I mean, it it was something that we never in a million years thought we would have to walk through. And mm-hmm. we had to walk our kids through it. You know, we were adults. And so we were living life, mm-hmm. you know, we were adulting. Our kids had no idea, you know, we were still, they were still learning. We were still teaching them about life. And so in spite of the depression that I was going through, I was a functioning depressed person. I was able to function in my depression, depression, but I still had, you know, the medication and the counseling. And so if it wasn't for those things... I don't even know that I would be sitting here in this pink, pretty room, you know, because I, it just was, it was just, it was just a bad, you know, I think back to some of the, the, the things that I w- uh, had went through and had done and in, in my depression and, and things like that. And I just say, thank you, God, for bringing me through that mm-hmm. because it was, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't, I, I seriously don't think I would be sitting here in this pink, pretty room. Okay, could you stop telling people what, what color our room is? I, I'm sorry, it's pink. It used to be Jasmine's room. And now it's, it's our office and our Mary Kay room. So what can I say? I am surrounded by pink. It's all it's all good. You you, you, you like it. We, yeah. So now, today, 2022, yes, I still suffer from depression. It's a different, it's a different feeling that I have now. But I know the signs to keep me from getting into the dark place. When I feel like I'm going into that dark place, I know the signs and I know what I have to do. November 2020. Uh, was it 2020? 2021? Whenever I had that um, that dark time. I think it was last year. No, year before last. I had a dark time. I was still on one antidepressant. I knew at the moment that it hit me, you know, I had to go through it. But I knew that I wasn't all the way through it. And I needed something else to help me um, get all the way through it. So I went back on two antidepressants because, you know, I'm dealing with the lupus, dealing with not working, not being able to do the things that I used to could do. And so I went back on the two antidepressants and I'm fine with it. I, you know... I know the signs, hopefully. 
<laughs> I see the signs when it's popping up and it's about ready to come. So I think that that takes me to, you know, my next, what I want to talk about now gears us more towards. So that's my story. I'm, I'm, I am a functioning depressant person, de- person with depression. Yeah. Person that's functioning with depression. That's what I meant to say. Right now she's functioning with confusion. Wait, confusion. She's trying to get the words <laughs> trying out. Trying to get the words out. I can't talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, in, in thinking of this this thing, I was doing a little bit of a little bit of research. I didn't do a whole bunch, babe, but a little bit of research. So I'm just seeing the novel just No, I it's down to one I have it's down to one, one sheet, of paper. sheet with Ooh, with woo. points. Husbands, but, you don't understand. That's that's growth. Because <laughs> normally it'd be four or five pages. It really would be four or five pages. <laughs> that's and, growth. And yeah, but you know, I want to keep this under an hour or at, at an hour. But just a little bit of inf- just a little bit of info and statistics. One in five women have common mental health issues such as depression or anxiety. That's I mean, line me up with five people, and I'm that one. One in five women. And the reason why they go through this is because they're caregivers. They, the lifestyle that they have lived, some of them may live in poverty. Some of them may um, not live in poverty and still be depressed. Mm -hmm. Not even, you know, just still be depressed for whatever reason. Um, experiences with physical or sexual abuse or other some other life experience. So mm-hmm. those are some of the things that cause the mental health issues for women, aside from hormonal imbalances. So, well, in addition to hormonal imbalances, because that can be a contributing factor as well. Yep. And so, you know, I, I've had the thought or, you know, I've heard the question pro posed is depression anxiety or any other mental health issue a sin um and i'm you know we we always hear the greatest covenant we always connect things back to the word and and think of you know want to show you the biblical perspective of anything that we talk about and i so i was thinking about it today and i was trying to figure out okay lord point me to some people in the word that could be perfect examples of people who suffered from depression or anxiety or some sort of mental health issue. And the first person he gave me was King David. King David, I'm sure he had a gambit of mental health issues. But because if you read through Psalms, if you read through the Psalms, you can you can you can read through the Psalms and just see the the you can feel the sadness and the anxiety that he was suffering. I mean, you know, when he lost his first son because of the sin that he committed, mm-hmm. you know, there was that sadness and, and, and anxiety that he that I can imagine that he had, you know, because there was that grief for the sin that he committed. But then there was that grief for the son that he lost because of the sin he committed. Mm-hmm. And so you can read all the way through Psalms and just feel David's uh what's the word I'm looking for feel his anxiety depression sadness about the things that he has gone through but the one thing that I love about King David is that he never lost his faith in God Hmm. he never 
he never strayed. He never strayed is not the right word. He never lost hope in God. Mm -hmm. He never lost faith in God. And so to me, he's a, he's a perfect example as a, a human person. A per, well, we're all human. As a person <laughs> that suffered from, that had mental health issues. That it, it could be classified in today's world as suffering mm -hmm. from mental health issues. And there's, I mean, you could probably go through the word and just look through, um, you know, and I, I sort of, I, I have been trying to figure this out because I feel like, you know, as as a person who, you know, who was in spirit, came down in human form, in flesh, in a world of sin, I just can't, I just can't believe that Jesus didn't go through some sort of depression or sadness or anxiety in this human, because he was in the human form, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But he didn't sin in that human form. So, I mean, you know, his mother Mary, I'm sure she suffered from, went through some sort of depression and sadness because her son had just died. Mm -hmm. He died on the cross, you know? So I'm sure that Mary and Martha, when Lazarus died, and so do I think that it's a sin? It's only a sin when you allow it to cause you to sin. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess it does. I mean, the this it's just like any it's just like any other sin. This you know the sin is there, but until you have you I mean, I guess the question is have you really committed the sin when you know the sin is there? Right. I mean, you know, you know that you know, someone's brought you with a, I, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm kind of thinking outside the box here because sin is sin. Of know? course, 100%. So, you know, someone ask you a question and so you have the choice of either lying or telling the truth. Right. I mean, right. You know, I just, yeah, I, th that's just how I, I, I think about it. And so that, that's how I, you know, those are just some examples in the word that I think that, mm -hmm. you know, I, we can send people to, to just show that, yes, there are some of the greatest people in the Bible suffered from these types of things. So, I mean, when you when you think about loss, loss, loss is loss. You know? It is loss. Yes, you 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 can go in depression from losing the job. You go mm -hmm. in depression from yes. You know, I mean, some people can go in depression from losing their phone. Yeah, <laughs> as, as crazy as that sounds. Ooh. Ooh. can you imagine Probably, that? Probably, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, anything can be a, a source of a mental health issue, yeah. but I think it, you know how how do we keep it from becoming a crutch or how do we keep it from um like boring down into the soul of our life mm -hmm. is you have to listen there there are several ways medication I, listen, I'm a proponent of medication. If anybody knows me, I've been taking medication all of my life. So medication. And I'm not, I'm not like being a, a cheerleader for it because I know people, some people don't believe in medication, but huh, listen, my hand is raised. I am over here sitting in my chair saying, I believe and I affirm medication. Um, 
Look, y'all, I'm not, no one is saying that she's a drug addict. I'm not, that, that is not, every medication that I take she's is just, treating something in my body. She's just a, yes. a great proponent of medication. For you mental know? health. For I mental mean, health. because again, for those hor- yeah, hormonal imbalances, those are real. And, the, and this goes for men and women. Hormonal mm. imbalances are real. Like they're the real deal. Like when, when we enter, so I'm in, we're entering our, silver years we'll call them that we're not going to call them senior years we're going to call them silver years we're entering into those our hormonal balances are about to start flipping Mm -hmm. you know and so who knows what it's going to do to you i already know it's going to do to me i've been going through it but you i don't think you've had that experience yet i refuse to i refuse to accept it he or or he was refusing to acknowledge it that's that's true he's he that's true so i'm protesting right so i think that that goes for any anybody male female you know listen there's nothing wrong with even if it's for a short period of time it's better than suffering through by yourself and it getting to a place where you just can't deal with it and it's out of control. Mm-hmm. Counseling, therapy, uh, uh, going to visit a psychiatrist. I'm a proponent of that too. Go talk to somebody that doesn't know you, doesn't know the situation that you're in, and allow them to be able to feed into you and give you encouragement and and point you into the right direction. Um uh, Listening to, so I found a really good podcast that I, I, you know, we, we do a podcast and so I listen to podcasts and I found, um, a podcast that I really like is called, I think it's called Christian therapy as a Christian and she is a Christian counselor and she really just talks about how, um, important, even though as we are we are Christians and we are believers, that does not mean that we don't believe when we go through depression, anxiety, any type of mental health issue. Um, I think, like I said earlier, God puts these people in mm-hmm. place to be able to help us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, in in the in our community, the black community, um, therapy is not something that is talked about. Therapy is not something that is encouraged, I guess. You don't really talk about your issues. You just kind of go through them. And so there's that, especially like in some in in the church. And this is one of the things that she said um, that it's not encouraged in the black church, which is sad because there's nothing wrong with therapy. No, there's not. There's nothing wrong with being able to go talk to somebody, even if it's your pastor. Right. There's nothing wrong with talking to somebody. It's not a sign of weakness when you not realize that you need help. Yes. And it's, that's that's the message that's portrayed. If you go talk to somebody, then that means that you're weak. And that's the message right. that's portray- portrayed in our community, which is sad. And I wish that, you know, m- more and more people would understand that, you are not weak. It is not a sign of weakness. Shows even more strength to admit you have a problem. That. It shows more strength. It, you know, it's even that's even part of, uh, you know, an addict. You know, when they go through those 12 steps, whatever that addiction is, they all have their own version of the 12 steps. Yes. The very first step, which I believe for all of them, is first admitting you have a problem. Yes. 
that's that's number one admitting mm-hmm. that you have a problem believe it or not that is the absolute hardest thing yeah to do is admit to yourself that something is wrong with you right you are not who you are you are not who you were raised to be you are not the person that you thought you were something is off with you and to say to yourself i don't feel like myself is the hardest thing to admit Mm -hmm. because no one wants to admit that they have some type of mental defect there's something wrong some kind of mental defect and i don't mean like a handicap i mean a mental something something in your brain is off and and trying to internalize it and and hold it in is it's not doing anything but making the situation worse because you haven't done anything to help resolve the problem right so at first so the hardest part is admitting that you even have one right and that's once you get once you get past that and accept the fact that you need help mm-hmm. your world you, you that's the first step to recovery yeah i mean that's not just a cliche saying mm-hmm. you know that's real life that's the first step to recovery remembering that you have a problem yeah yeah so again, yeah, there's nothing wrong with uh, seeking therapy. Um, self-care, that's something that's important. Learning to be able to say, husband, I need you to take the kids for a minute. I just need to go in here and have a bubble bath with some candles and maybe a glass of wine. I need to do that for myself. And I'll give you a pour, I'll pour you a shot of Jack. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, it's that bad. <laughs> for me, my self-care for years, and I still do it, is my nails. I go get my nails done every two weeks. For me. You don't understand. Think about that one thing that your wife stops. The world will stop. Yes. There is no compromise yes. in this world of your wives. Yes. Be- and that's. Th- and that's something that they do for themselves to make them. Fe- yes. Make themselves feel good. Make themselves feel loved. Yes. And you yeah. will not, you will not, <laughs> barring natural disasters, keep <laughs> yes. that from happening. Yes. I mean, there are people, there are women that go get their hair done every two weeks. You know, you wives, even though you are married, even though you have children, you are still an individual. You are the same individual that you were when you came into the relationship. So that doesn't mean that once you get married or you start having kids that you're no longer important to yourself. You are important to yourself. You need to take care of yourself so that you can be good and be healthy for those little people and for your husband. But you, but you can, you can agree to this. Most wives, when they have, when they created something, they, 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 they when they have a child, I'm gonna say created something. <laughs> it's like what? What are they gonna create? Okay. <laughs> when they have when they have a child, most wives go through this thing of I, this child needs me more than I need myself. Absolutely. More. And so that that could be very difficult. It is very difficult because I did it, but if 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 I can help a woman, <laughs> a mother, understand that while yes, that is still that is okay to do. Don't let yourself not feel as important as you are making your kids feel. Mm-hmm. 
Because and, you are still very important. You still matter. Mm-hmm. You still have a place as an individual. Like I, at the time when I was having my kids, we were having our kids. I, it was, it was the kids, Brendan Yates, and then me. I was at the bottom in my mind. Mm-hmm. That was, that was the order in my mind. And it sort of put me in a place of where I felt like you guys deserved more than I did. You guys were more important than me. And so that put me in a place of literally being on the bottom, feeling I was on the bottom. And so, ladies, you have to make sure that when you are taking care of your husband, you're taking care of your kids, you also need to be sure that you're taking care of yourself. So if that means you tell your husband, babe, peace out, I'm going out with the girls, you got to do that for yourself because you're still an individual. So always remember, self-care is important for you as a wife and a mother. Husbands, we do have a responsibility in that. We do have a responsibility. Your wives, your if. If you have the if if your wife is a stay at home mom and or even just a stay at home wife, you know, mm-hmm. not not having any children, and they still have put their heart and soul into taking care of you and the, and your and your children or just taking care of you, mm-hmm. they just they they have, I w- I want to say they earned it. They have they deserve mm-hmm. to have a time for themselves. Yeah, you know. There's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. Even if that time is with you, if if their time for themselves is spending it with you, make that happen, husbands. Make, yeah. Take the time to go on a date with them, sit down with them, have a cup of coffee, you know, it, and uh, just talk uh, they they need they need that. that that's part of their self-care is spending time with you or part of their self-care is I need a couple of hours to myself today. OK, yeah, bye. I'll see you yeah. when you get back. Don't worry about anything. Or better, or better yet, when you see if they're stressed, whip out the pocketbook, throw them a little cash, say, get out. Yeah. <laughs> Don't come back until the cash is gone. That's real get life. Out. Go. I, and I know that's easier said than done these days for some, for some, for some, yeah. for some, if not most husbands. But still, if you have, to, if you have to force them to leave, mm-hmm. I think I've tried that a couple of times. It's like, you got to get out, mm-hmm. go somewhere, you know? But you know, we we as husbands, we can't. We we have to, we have to be willing to say to our we have to be willing to say to our wives, honey, you need some time to yourself. Right. You need it. Go. Get out of yeah. here. Go. Go to surprise them with a spa day. Surprise them with, you know, let let them say, hey, honey, I'm gonna sit here in the seat while you go in the mall and do your thing. I'll yeah. see you when you get back, or just call me when you're done. I'll come back and get you, or I'll just see you when you get home. Right. Something. <laughs> Give them whatever, whatever, you know, your wives, you know, what makes them happy. You know, what will relax them. You know, that would be something they would truly enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Take half. Let's have some responsibility in this too. They're meant, we have a responsibility as husbands to not just take care of them financially. But we have a responsibility to take care of them emotionally. Yeah. Okay. We, if my wife tells me, honey, I just need some time to myself. Okay. I'll see you later. If she tells me, what are you doing when you get off work? Um, uh, nothing. She goes, well, I, I just need some time with you. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, or if I say, well, I plan on doing this. No, I need some time with you. So you're saying, no, I'm not leaving. Okay. I'll stay here. And I don't complain because I know she needs that. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying husbands, we have a responsibility to, our job is not to just protect them 
financially and physically. We have to protect them emotionally as well. Mm -hmm. So keep that in mind. Yeah. I agree with all that, babe. Above all else, above all of everything, you want to make sure that you're seeking God. Mm -hmm. Because that that is what really got me through. Uh, That's what's really been getting me through these last couple years covid years yes i'm i'm still on the two antidepressants but you know i've had a lot of things that i've gone through you know job furlough then then leaving my job then being diagnosed with lupus and and just a whole bunch of things that have that have happened and that still are happening that you know i've had to catch myself several times from going into the dark place that i've been in the past. And so, you know, what really has helped me is my relationship with God. I've really been sitting and and um uh meditating on his word and really, you know, building a relationship with him and he's been helping me through the issues. He's been an he has been an added sense of support for me in uh these difficult times that we've been going through. And so it, you know, above all else, you know, you, you want to seek God in, in any type of mental health issue that you're having and he'll, he'll guide you and direct you. I, that's what I believe. I mean, he's done that for me. He's been doing that for me. So, um, that to me is probably going to be, uh, number one for me in my situation. But those are just some things that you can do, wives and mothers, to be able to help you walk through um, the mental health issues that you may be facing. Um, I do think that, you know, if if mental health is uh, for wives, we're going to look at this from a uh, marriage perspective, and I promise, babe, I'm almost done. I'm I didn't say done, a I word. Promise. You keep looking at the timer. I'm almost done. Well, don't throw me under the bus <laughs> like that. I was just looking at the time. <laughs> um, so, you know, if if mental health issues aren't kept in check, if they're not, you know, uh, dealt with, they definitely can affect a marriage. Mm-hmm. It definitely affected our marriage. I think that if we would not have, if I if I would not have done any of the things that I would have done, it could have been very detrimental to our relationship. Because, I, you know, you start with depression and then it could just lead further down into something um, different. And I can remember there were times that it just got super dark for me. Um, and and had I not kept those things in check, I could have lost my husband. Could have maybe lost my kids. Could have lost you. Yeah. I mean, you know. It, it, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't have been a good situation. No. So ladies, make sure that, you know, you want to, you want to make sure that your husband is a partner in this. He is there. He's there to walk with you on the journey, but he's not there to take you through the journey. You want to allow God to take you through the journey. Your husband wants to, you, your husband just needs to be that person. That's a source of comfort for you. That's a listening ear. Not necessarily to give you advice, but to just listen, you know, and he can give advice if he wants to, but 
you know, you want to make sure you, you have somebody impartial that can help you through and, and, and walk with you because, you know, as believers, we're called to build community with each other. We're called to, um, gather together. And so, you know, even if you're seeking advice from one of your best girlfriends, that's fine. But if you're in a deep, dark circle, or deep, deep, dark hole, and you're trying to get yourself out of it, it may need to go higher than, you know, talking with your friends. You may need to go to, to counseling, therapy, somebody who's unbiased and impartial that can give you sound advice and walk with you on the journey, mm-hmm. be an added person to walk with you on the journey. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's all that I have. I hope it all made sense, y'all. Sometimes I talk and I don't know if I make sense. So I hope it all made sense. And I hope that it was insightful for 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 you wives and you mothers. So, yeah. You have anything else to say, babe? The thoughts of a wife, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. thoughts of a wife. Mental health. A lot of stuff going on up there. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> listen, y'all don't understand how hard this was because, like, you know, on the episode my husband did, he said it was hard. It's hard trying to figure out something that, you know, because it, it might have been a little bit easier for the men, beca- for, for the husband, because he was able to pull from a box that he's compartmentalized all of his thoughts on mine were all over the place and it was like okay you need to sit down slow them down and all i could think of is like i what i picture in my mind is like the jetsons and all the flying cars just flying and not in any kind know. of direction. You may, you, that... you may have just aged yourself. The Jetsons. Some people are like, who I know. are the Jetsons? Someone's on Google right now looking for it. <laughs> <laughs> what are the I Jetsons? Know, right? I was picturing in my mind when you're talking about how we compartmentalize and stuff. Like, I see me in a little box. You got everything on the floor spread out <laughs> yes. all over the floor. We don't even see the floor because everything me. is spread yes. out on the floor. Yes. But and we were glad she was able to come together, put together a nice package for you. Yeah. And just and be able to um, express herself. Well, it's just one thing. I have a million other things I could have talked about, but yes, the Lord put mental health on my mind. We so. don't have that kind of time. That's why. <laughs> you know what? I so love you. <laughs> those are my thoughts. That's what I'm thinking about. So... Well, we do hope that this was something that would be beneficial for not just the wives, but yeah. for the wives and the husband. Yes. Um, and as always, we're here. If you ever, ha- you can reach us on our website and, and uh, we're here if you have any questions. Yeah. So I think that my wife should give the closing prayer because I feel that she's not done talking, one, and two. God has placed on a heart to do so because of what's going on. I can feel the prayer have more in more. Okay, depth. babe. <laughs> so I'm talking trying to make it all. I'm trying to make it deep. Go for it. Go for it. <sighs> okay. God, you're just so great. And I just thank you for placing this topic on my mind, Lord. Um, it's just so important, especially for wives and mothers and women in general, um, because of the things that we go through in our lives where, where the caregivers, sometimes we're the, the income person and, um, we, you know, take care of the household and, um, we may be going through something else. There's just so much stuff that, uh, women, go through that can affect our mental health and 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 cause us to 
go into a depression or an anxiety. And Lord, I just thank you that you gave me um, the words to say today. And I just pray that what I had to say was able to touch somebody, was able to give hope to somebody, um, to a, a wife or a mother out there who just feels like that there's no hope. Um, and Lord, I pray for those wives or mothers that are in a situation that they feel like they can't get out of. Hmm. Lord, I pray that you would just show them the door, bring a person to them that can help them get out of whatever situation there is, physical abuse, sexual abuse, anything, God, bring them to the right person, bring them to the right situation that will be the catalyst to get them out of this bad situation, Lord. Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for the greatest covenant. You gave this to us, Lord, and I just thank you for it. This opportunity to be able to just get our words out, get our thoughts out, Lord. Lord, you're awesome. You're great. In your name, amen. Amen. So thank you for joining us today on another episode of The Greatest Covenant. For more information about The Greatest Covenant, you can reach us on our website at thegreatestcovenant.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Greatest Covenant. You can also reach out to us via email at thegreatestcovenant21 at gmail.com. God bless you and we love you all.